This is Rob McConnell wishing each and every one of you a very, very Merry Christmas and a happy, healthy, prosperous New Year. From our home to yours, love, light, and spirituality today and every day from this day forward. Merry Christmas, everyone. Fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the X-Zone Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates across Canada, the United States, Central America, the Caribbean, South America, the Pacific Rim, Asia, India, Africa, and Europe. If you'd like to send us an email, X-Zone at xzoneradiotv.com on MSN Messenger, TV at Hotmail.com, and our website, www.XZoneRadioTV.com. Every time I hear California Girls, it brings memories of uh, of a beautiful sun, warmth, watching all the beautiful California Girls on Baywatch. And, and actually, I went to see the Beach Boys a number of times when I lived in Montreal, and uh, they are... Every time you hear the Beach Boys, you just can't help but put a smile on your face and know that everything is going to be all right. In fact, we have a California girl with us this hour. Talk about a segue. Lori Jacobson is our special guest, and uh, Lori is a renowned Hollywood writer and historian. And Lori's currently working on a documentary and a book on a major Hollywood icon, but shh, it's all under wraps right now, Exonation. Now, she is also the reigning expert on Tinseltown's ghosts, scandals, and mystery. Lori appears regularly on radio and television, including E, A&D, History Channel, Discovery Channel, TV Land, CNN, Mike Wallace's 20th Century, Entertainment Tonight, and other radio and TV shows. And uh, she's with us tonight to talk about ghosts. And welcome to the X-Zone, Lori. Ooh, Rob, you're scaring me. Oh, geez. How are you, Laurie? Great having you with us. I'm excited. Thanks. 
Laura, you've got a new book that's uh, out. It's called Hollywood Haunted, and in that book you cover 100 years of ghostly activity in L.A. Tell me, is L.A. really that haunted? You know, I'm not sure if it's any more or less haunted than any other place in the world, but um, it certainly has the market that has cornered the market on famous ghosts. Mm. Famous ghosts. Now, uh, are, are there ghosts in some of the studios and in the back lot sets that still, uh, you know, are spotted out throughout the L.A. area? Well, you know, Rob, let me tell you, what makes Hollywood special is that you had so many hopeful people coming to this one small area and and the drama of their emotions you know in a city where you can achieve the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and all of the drama in between uh these people led such dramatic lives and the passion was so intense that the vibrations from all of that are are felt for really decades after. So you're also talking about a time when people held their job for 40 or 50 years. So at the studio, yeah, those Pops characters at the at the studio gates, they saw everything. They saw everybody who got hired, everyone who got fired. They often had to break the news to celebrities by not letting them back on the lot on Monday. Guess what? Jack Warner fired you. That happened to the biggest stars, unceremoniously dumped that way. So, um, you know, these people, they met their their wives and husbands working on the lot. They brought their kids in there to work. And, yeah, some of them are still going to work at these studios. We hear constantly about um, old studio guards still walking their beats at night. Um, technical guys who died in, in the line of duty, so to speak, fell from the catwalks or were, were killed on the set. They they haunt the sound stages. Um, Laurie, and have for, Laurie, you and uh-oh. I have to take a two-minute commercial break. Please stand by. Laurie Jacobson is okay, our very Rob. special guest, <laughs> ExoNation. www.lauriejacobson.com. L-A-U-R-I-E-J-A-C-O-B-S-O-N.com. And www.livinglegendslimited.com. And that's ltd.com. Lori and I will return on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is, For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. 
www.thepetshow.com. Back in Victorian England, a famous theologian posed a perplexing riddle. Why are the two top personalities in the Bible tagged with the numbers 7 and 11? Academics agree the answer is found in the stunning discovery of a hitherto secret Bible structure explained in a new book called The Genesis Grid. The discovery is so simple that preschool children could illustrate it. Certain claims are hugely controversial and may offend some, but at the X-Zone, we've studied this awesome new book and agree with one expert, and I quote, These discoveries appear to be beyond coincidence. So who or what hid this wonderful pattern in the Bible, and what might they do next? Find out more, X-Zone Nation, and read reviews on www.genesisgrid.co.uk. That's www.genesisgrid.co.uk. Laurie Jacobson is my guest this hour. We're talking about Laurie's book, Hollywood Haunted. Uh, Laurie's website, www.lauriejacobson.com, and Laurie is spelled L-A-U-R-I-E, Jacobson.com. Or you can visit www.livinglegendsltd.com. Now, Laurie, how did a nice girl like you get into Hollywood's unsolved mysteries and ghosts like you seem to be a real California sweetheart? Well, you know, I I went to L.A. Mm-hmm. in in the hopes of uh, an acting career. And, of course, what made me go there were all of the great celebrities that had gone there before me. So I'm sitting in Schwab's drugstore one day, and this waitress came over to me and said, you know, you're sitting in Clark Gable's favorite booth. <gasps> I am. <laughs> Pray tell. How do you know that? <laughs> She said, well, he can't, used to come in here every Wednesday. He always had the racing form under one arm and a bunch of violets under the other. For me, he never forgot me. And suddenly I'm hearing this charming, sweet story about Clark Gable that I never knew. And I'm sitting in his seat, and I'm telling you that it was still warm. <laughs> and that became so exciting for me to walk in the footsteps of, of a history that I adored. And so as I began to research these stories, and as I was saying, these people led such dramatic lives, I didn't have to enhance it in any way. And many of them died under mysterious circumstances or tragic circumstances, and they weren't finished. Um, But there was a lot, or some, you know, were, uh, uh, were never solved. And there were always ghost stories attached to all of those kinds of stories. And then I experienced the ghost, my very own self, and I thought, now maybe I better check into this a little bit more thoroughly. Tell me about your ghostly experiences. Um, Well, the first one I had, the one that started me on this uh, fun journey, was at Grauman's Chinese Theater, the famous theater, you know, Mm -hmm. where the celebrities have their 
handprints yep. and footprints in the forecourt. Um, I was part of a uh, historical society. We were going to give a tour of one of Hollywood's grand movie palaces. We were in there at 8 a.m., before the crowds, before it was open, and we were not looking for ghosts or even thinking about them. We were looking to where we would place our guides. Um, The lady walking me through said that um, in the 20s when the theater opened, they used to have a live stage show before the film, and the the stage held up to 200 actors. Did I want to go behind the movie screen and check it out? I was the only one in this group of five people that wanted to do that. I looked around back there. I climbed down from the six-foot-high stage. I joined them, and out of nowhere, our guide says, this place is so haunted. And without anyone speaking, all of us were compelled to turn back toward the stage. And there where I had been standing, we saw the vague outline of a man who had grasped the ceiling to drape velvet curtain, and ceiling to floor velvet drape, I mean, and we could see his finger, you know, his fingerprints in the velvet, and that section of the curtain only was lifted up off the floor and was shaking so angrily that I uttered the classic phrase, do you see what I see? And everyone went, "Uh uh-huh. And I set a new land speed record (laughs) running away. I came to discover later this was the ghost of a man named Fritz, uh, a former employee of the theater who had taken his life in the theater guess where? Behind the movie screen. And he let me know he did not like me going back there. I questioned it a million times. I wish I hadn't run away, but it was the anger in his gesture that uh, was so scary. It wasn't that the curtain was moving. You know, it, it was moving with a lot of anger. Tell me, do you have a theory about ghosts? Uh, what are they, and, and why are they here? Well, you know, I, I'm so logical, and this is what I love about it. When I research these Hollywood mysteries and scandals, mm-hmm. um, it seems that the, the spirits of people stick around for really human reasons. For example, in, in Hollywood Haunted... I talk about uh, the day they tore Lucille Ball's house down in Beverly Hills, and someone stopped to look at it, as we all had, uh, to see this icon of the neighborhood go down. And someone saw a long-legged, red-headed woman walking along the perimeter of the property, looking, just as everybody else did, at at the uh, destruction, and she turned around, and it was Lucy. Oh my! Now, is she haunting the property? No. But was, why was she drawn back? For a very human reason. She loved that house, and it was being torn down. So even when your friends say, gee, we lost Dad two years ago, but when I got married last weekend, I really felt he was there. He was. Spirits are human uh, they're also animal spirits, but we're talking about celebrities here. And um, they, you know, actors mm-hmm. stick around for fear they'll be forgotten. 
Uh, if they died suddenly, they weren't finished. They stay here to, to you know, to to uh, finish their task, what they had, their dream. Um, those who were murdered and the murder was never solved, they stick around for justice or or perhaps revenge. So it really, really kind of makes sense to me. You know, I've got a friend in uh, in um, Marina Del Rey. His name is Michael Steen, and he's written a book called Celebrity Death Certificates. And uh, you two should get together because you, you're talking about ghosts. <laughs> he talks about death certificates. And uh, and if anybody's listening uh, who'd like to find out more about Mike's books, it's www.celebritydeathcertificates.com. Now, now tell me, the death of George Reeves, Superman, was never solved, and his ghost is purported to haunt his house to this very day. What is What have you found out about this ghostly story? Well, you know, here's a perfect example of, of what we were talking about. Uh, George Reeves was murdered, and his death was written off by the Beverly Hills Police as a, a as an apparent suicide. Um, you know, the bullet wound to his head um, was in such a way that he would have had to have been holding the gun. 12 to 16 inches away and leaning over it. Okay? So to me, that suggests that he was in a struggle with someone and the gun went off. Um, But uh, you'll find when you research any unsolved uh, Hollywood mystery um, that someone paid big bucks to keep it that way. They all get solved just about, but... um, you know, money talks in that town, and, and the guilty often walk away. Uh, this is what happened in the case of George Reeves. And he played Superman. Yeah. The majority of his millions of fans were children. And they woke up to a headline that said, Superman commits suicide. And, I mean, there, there was counseling given at that time in the late 1950s. People didn't know mm-hmm. with this. So um, he was—he would have been devastated to have let his fans down in that way. So that's great reason for him to stick around. He's angry. He is seeking truth and justice in the American way, just like his character. So yes, he hung around his house for a long time um, and was reportedly seen there in costume, um, in street clothes, holding a gun. But um, I was very fortunate to get into the house about two years ago. Um, they really don't let people in. They really respect Mr. Reeves and think it's denigrating to allow a troop of people to walk through the house. But I knew somebody who knew somebody. I will say that I was really shocked at how tiny the place is. There were bullet holes all over. Bullet the holes? Fireplace downstairs. Was he a gun fanatic? Uh, did I? Sorry. I said was uh, was a was George Reeves a gun fanatic? What's with all the bullet holes? Um, at the end, well, uh, you know, he w- had been seeing a married woman for Ooh. quite some time, whose husband was very powerful at MGM. Um, he broke 
things off with the married woman who was crazy about him, who bought him the house he was living in, who bought him his Jaguar sports car. Um, You know, the brakes were cut twice on the Jaguar. Uh, He was receiving a lot of phone calls, hang-up phone calls, sort of checking his schedule to see when he'd be home. He was scared, so he got that gun and knives and several other weapons and had them all through the house because he was afraid of something. And guess what? Something happened. Now, people say that they've often, uh, you know, see a light on Mm -hmm. in the front bedroom, the front room that you can see from the street, and that perhaps that is how someone climbed up a ladder. Um, But that front bedroom, once I got in the house, was not the master bedroom. It's the guest bedroom, and George Reeves had a guest staying with him when he died. So nobody climbed up a ladder to that uh, to that bedroom. In mm. other words, I, I'm not sure it was an intruder. He had a real hot-headed girlfriend. All right, you and I have He's to take eight. another commercial break with the news, Lori. This is a this is a great hour. Thank you very much for sharing your time with us here in the Exxon. Exxon Nation. Okay. Lori Jacobson is our special guest here. The website's www.loriejacobson.com or www.livinglegendsltd.com. The name of Lori's book, Hollywood Haunted, and Lori Jacobson and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. After the news, as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network, the X, uh, the Talkstar Radio Network, and our growing family of broadcast affiliates worldwide. From our home to yours, this is Laura Rogers wishing all the members of the Exo Nation a very Merry Christmas and a happy and joyful New Year. doctor's power and his ancient tribal ways cruelly collide with the force and authority of modern Africa. Africa is viewed through myriad eyes. You will never forget these characters. A young girl forced to endure a painful, cruel, and antiquated tribal custom. The sole survivor of a vicious tribal massacre. A nun who endures physical assault that compels her to question her faith. A deprived, disadvantaged schoolgirl who is infected with HIV. The translucent soul of a murdered friend. Welcome to Africa's Unfinished Symphony. While the tale of South Africa in the wake of World War II is riveting, violent, and cruel, it is also brimming with stories of kindness, compassion, and courage. Africa's Unfinished Symphony highlights commanding characters who not only bring haunting racial clashes to life, but also convey the intense conflicts that existed between archaic customs and modern influences. You will be captivated as you follow the convoluted path of Farida of the ancients battling to become Bertha of the modern world. 
But are the outcomes of her struggle the best results for her and her beloved Africa? Africa's Unfinished Symphony will immerse you in historic African themes that will jolt you out of complacency and into compassion. For more information on how you can get your very own copy of Africa's Unfinished Symphony, visit www.luciaman.com. That's www.luciaman.com. My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario. Hi, my name is Bonza, and you're listening to my dad, Ron McConnell, on the XM. This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're listening to Rob McConnell. Hello, my name is Holly Reeves, an astrologer from astro for You, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to The X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Back everyone, Lori Jacobson is our special guest, and uh, Lori's a reformed stand-up comic. Lori worked out in uh, Harvey Lemmick's comedy improv workshop for years with classmates Robin Williams, John Larroquette, and John Ritter. While performing with improv groups, Lori immersed herself in the history of those who came before her. Now, um, let me see. Since then, Lori has written and produced document- uh, documentaries, uh, television series, and specials, including 20th anniversary of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, the Museum of Television and Radio Salute to, uh, Salute to Funny Women of Television, the Warner Brothers Studios uh, Rededication Party, the Suzanne Summer Show, Photoplay, and Hollywood Chronicles. Wow, you've done a lot in your in your uh, years uh, in Hollywood, and still you go out investigating ghost stories. Um, before we went to the commercial break with the news, we were talking about George Reeves' case, and off-air you and I briefly discussed the case, and I, and I asked you, I said, you know, was do you think that the person who, who, uh, who you know, took George Reeves' life was, was the person who was staying with them? And um, if you'd like to take it from there. Um, I, I think, uh, yes, I think the hot-headed girlfriend, mm. uh, I think, I think he dumped her. You know, I'm telling you, she was 86 from every club in New York. She was, uh, she was bad news. She might have been, she wasn't even, like, magnificently beautiful. I'm not sure what he saw in her, but I think he woke up. He was due to marry her at the end of the week, and I think he said, you know what, I'm not going through with this, and bullets flew. 
and they were all over Rob. They oh. were, you know, it wasn't just one through, through his head. It, it, they went through the floor. Uh, they were found, there were bullets pulled out of um, the mantelpiece downstairs. So I, I don't think sh- she was a stranger to guns. Tell me, what is the scariest ghost story you have? Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. All right, are you ready? Because this one really scares me. All right, hold, hold on. I'm, I've, I've got to get ready here. Okay. Okay. Uh, am I ready yet? Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, go. Okay. I used to be a waitress at the Comedy Store mm-hmm. on the Sunset Strip, which was formerly Ciro's Nightclub, one of the, the most glamorous, most popular nightclubs in the golden age of Hollywood. And people from the Ciro's era haunt that place from the basement to the rafters. We constantly, you know, heard heard voices, saw people in, you know, men in mm-hmm. pinstripe suits with wide lapels walking in and out of the offices. Uh, we heard women in the restrooms after hours talking about some guy who two-timed me and using these sort of 40s expressions um it was really exciting and fun and they would play pranks on us and uh generally they had a good time there but when a place is that popular the mob is often involved and we think that some unsavory types uh hurt some people in that place. So we brought some psychics in, and one of them collapsed it from pain to his legs the minute he entered the basement. So I'm saying, and there is something in the basement that is so dark and so frightening. I'm thinking someone was dragged down there against their will and done away with, and he's really angry about it. All right, so now cut to one night. Comedian Blake Clark is locking up, and uh, the grate across the entryway to the basement suddenly begins stretching, pulling, heaving out into the hallway, something that Blake said was blacker than black, this vague, shadowy outline of a man. Uh, was pushing against the gate. He thought the whole gate was going to burst out of the wall. Finally, it snapped back, and standing in front of him was this seven-foot shadowy figure coming Mm -hmm. toward him and making a pretty horrible noise that I cannot imitate. And so he ran. Now, weeks later, the owner of the comedy store, Mitzi Shore, who was Polly Shore's mother, and that's scary right there. <laughs> Mitzi wants to send Blake down to the basement for some supplies. He says, I'm never going down there. She says, it's the daytime. Take a friend. I need this stuff. All right, well, he takes two friends, and they go down to the basement, and they are no sooner down there than Blake's friend Joey sees a blacker-than-black shadow slowly rising out of the corner. Blake does not see it this time, but he sees Joey's face. Joey is holding his hands out in front of him, screaming, no, no, stay away, get away. Blake knows what it is. He grabs Joey's hands, 
to run, and they are burning hot like they'd been held up against a stove. But it was so cold in there that the, all three men could see their breath. They are scrambling up the steps to get out of there, and a piece of cardboard falls from out of nowhere, hits Blake on the hands. He picks it up. It had his name on it. Wow. And my theory is, when they know your name, run like hell. Whoa, that would uh, certainly stop me from going back down into the basement. Now, since that time, have other people gone down to the basement, and has anyone ever seen these black shadows? Uh, not, not to my knowledge. You know, we've had a slew mm-hmm. of people going down there uh, over the years. I don't know if anyone's done it recently. But, um, you know, that proved to me that it was a a thinking entity. And that's what scared me the most about it. I don't, uh, I don't know if, if um, anyone else has had uh, incidents like that since. Um, Blake had them quite frequently because he was the last one in the building often. You know, the more people there are and the more hustle and bustle there is, the, the less likely chance you will have of um, feeling or seeing something. Who's the most famous ghost in Hollywood? Ooh. Um, well, you know, gosh, I guess that's subjective. You know, Marilyn's ghost certainly has been seen around there, and uh, generations certainly know who she is. Um, you know, Howard Hughes uh, still haunts his offices at uh, this magnificent Pantages Theater near the corner of Hollywood and Vine. Um, The fabulous Lon Chaney Sr., who created some of the great horror characters Mm -hmm. that we have come to love, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yes, Master. (laughs) Phantom of the Opera. Mm. Um. He still haunts. Uh, he still haunts a soundstage at Universal Studios, which houses the Phantom of the Opera sets. The only actor who had an entire soundstage built for the production of one film, because the Paris Opera House sets were so enormous. So that's pretty much of a compliment, and right. he considers the place his. Now, in your book, Dishing Hollywood. You combine mystery, murder, and um, recipes. How did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, I started noticing that, say, on the every August 8th, on the sad anniversary of the death of Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. people pile into the restaurant where she had her last meal and specifically request that booth. After the death of uh, Nicole Brown Simpson, the the restaurant where she had her last meal, went out of business, being overrun by the curious who stole everything that wasn't nailed down. Then we had the Robert Blake, uh, not what the I have to say non murder of uh, his wife, at least not by him, so they say. Um, but the restaurant where they had their last supper, everyone everyone wanted to come in and 
have what Robert Blake had. So I thought, well, there's this really morbid group of people out there that yeah. I like. <laughs> so I, I had some really new information about a lot of uh, mysteries and scandals I had covered before. I was looking for a, a new way to introduce it. And I was so lucky to, you know, I called the restaurant where Sharon Tate uh, had her last supper in 1969, and her waitress was still alive who could tell me everything about that evening, not only what she ate, but what they talked about. And, how. and I got this wonderful story of, of um, you know, I, I got this wonderful story about Sharon and her friends laughing and uh, swapping anecdotes and excited about the baby and just wonderful things that you don't hear associated with that story. Uh, so so it, it was it was really a fun thing to do. Tell me, what would make a person want to go and sit in the restaurant where a celebrity died or had their last meal prior to their death? What kind of people do this? <laughs> well, um, you know, as we say here, that's what makes horse racing. Not everybody bets on the same horse. Um, you know, and listen, not all of my stories in Dishing Hollywood are, are Last Suppers either. Some, oh, for example, I have Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio's first date supper. Mm. Um, and also when she posed for um, her famous nude calendar, she, she posed because she hadn't eaten anything for three days and she was starving. And the photographer and his wife took her out for lunch after the photo shoot. So, you know, I, I, they took her to the famous Barney's Beanery restaurant, which has been there, gosh, about 80, 85 years. And uh, they gave me the original recipe for their famous chili. So there's lots of, which is what she had for lunch that day. I don't know, chili on a stomach that hadn't eaten anything for I wouldn't days. want to do that. Uh-uh, not this boy. Not a great choice. Mm -mm. But, uh, you know, but it's so there's a, a lot of fun uh, information and, um, and some great recipes. Tell me, you've recently been involved with an investigation near the Tate murder site. What's happening there? Oh, Rob, it, it's so strange up there. Um it's at a it's in a place called Benedict Canyon and it's high up the the murder site is actually the most peaceful beautiful spot that overlooks Los Angeles and you you can almost never dream of anything like what happened there happening but um every house on that small street sees three of the five victims that were killed that night by the Manson family. Um, and they're all in different time frames. Um, Abigail Folger, the, the heiress to the Folger Coffee uh, Company, mm -hmm. was one of the victims. She is here in the here and now. She speaks to people. Um, she says she doesn't want to go. She likes it here. Um, and you know she she's existing now people see sharon um she's existing at that moment she's very upset about the baby and she's just very upset uh they see uh jay sebring a, a third victim um he doesn't say anything he just 
points toward something, but it's not toward the house or the murder site. So we cannot figure out what he's uh, trying to communicate. Um, everyone on the street sees them. You can feel it when you drive up the street. Um, and in certain spots in this house, you can take a compass. This is a, a house that's about two two houses down from the murder site. It did not exist during the time of the murder and has been built there since. You can hold a, a, a compass in certain areas of that house, and it spins around like a roulette wheel. So I ask my parapsychologist friends, what exactly does that mean? And they say it means that whatever is here is stronger than the magnetic pull of the earth. Well, you and I, here? you and I have to take our final break. We have a commercial break. That's what we have here. Laurie Johnson uh, Jacobson is our guest this hour. www.lauriejacobson.com and www.livinglegendsltd.com. The name of Laurie's book, Hollywood Haunted. Laurie and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Once again, to find out more about Lori, www.lauriejacobson.com and www.livinglegendsltd.com. Don't go away. I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com.
If you enjoy reading a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love From Out of the Woodwork by William S. Peckham. Sean Kennedy, a Toronto contractor, buys derelict houses, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, a century house in ruins, and starts the renovation, the house fights back. He is visited by ghosts of owners past. His visions are triggered by touching an oak mantle, reading a faded letter, opening an old locket, or opening a brand new casket in the basement. These visions will take you on a trip across southern Ontario from Niagara Falls to Toronto to Kingston. From Out of the Woodwork is now available in paperback and on your favorite electronic reader. To order your copy of From Out of the Woodwork, go to www.williamspeckham.com. That's www.williamspeckham.com. Oh my goodness, Lori Jacobson is our guest this hour, www.loriejacobson.com and www.livinglegendsltd.com. Lori's book is called Hollywood Haunted. I, I, I had a crazy thought over the commercial break, Lori. Can you imagine somebody in days gone by saying, hello, is this the house where Jesus had his last supper? Yeah? Well, I'd like to sit at that table and I'm bringing 12 of my friends. Can you make it happen? No. <laughs> Next day, the people get there, all everything's gone. Maybe that's where the Holy Grail is gone. A souvenir hunter took it. And the poor Knights Templar, over the thousands of years, have been looking in the wrong place. Maybe Peter or John had it. Who knows? Uh, Lori, um, when you're doing these investigations, uh, how do you know if a, if a spirit is present or near you? Well, you know, I, and I tell people who ask this, um, you know, we walk through life so quickly. Mm-hmm. You just need to stop and smell the roses. Um, I feel uh, a bit, um, I feel pressure on my head, a bit like I'm submerged. Um, and uh, sometimes I'll be terribly aware that I feel it, say, in the hallway and not in the room. And so if you walk through places that you suspect you may have a spirit, if you, mm-hmm. you know, just test it, you know, every foot is a different space to be in. So um, sometimes you'll walk into a house that's for sale and immediately you don't like it and you can't really say why. Well, that's what I'm talking about. What are you feeling? What are you picking up on? We're all a little psychic. You just have to work at it and bring it out a little. Be aware. How would you tell others uh, to be more in tune with ghosts around them? And if a person doesn't want a ghost around them or in their home or in their restaurant or in their comedy club, how do they get rid of them? Well, uh, there are, the, well, first of all, ghosts hate remodeling. I told you they're really human. Yeah. We all hate it. You know, sometimes something uh, as simple as painting a room or, you know, re- remodeling a little bit can can drive them away because they prefer the place to remain as it was when they knew it. Um, and there are, you know, the lighting of the sage and 
spreading that around and uh, and often just encouraging them to move on. Sometimes all you have to do is ask, and it's easy. Or they don't recognize what the white light is. So tell them. Just say it out loud. Couldn't you just say, get the hell out of here? <laughs> I guess not. Lori, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been a great pleasure. Uh, tell our listeners how they can find out about more about you and uh, also about Living Legends. Uh uh, as Rob has so kindly said all through the show, I'm at lauriejacobson.com, and I answer all questions, so please email me there. And livinglegendsltd.com is a company I run, and I send classic celebrities all over the world. So come visit me there as well. Lori, thank you very much for joining us, and I look forward to the next time you and I meet here in the X-Zone. Don't be a stranger, California girl. Thank you, Rob. It's just flown by. Take care. It's been a blast. It certainly has. Uh, of course, now I'm going to look at every restaurant booth I ever go to and say, excuse me, miss, can, can you come over here? Did, did anyone have their last supper here? And, of course, I get thrown out of the restaurant because they won't know what the heck I was talking about. Laurie, take care of yourself. I love your energy and uh, keep the great work up. Lori Jacobson. Thank you, Robin. Has... Sleep well tonight. Ooh. Oh, thanks a lot. Lori Jacobson has been my guest this hour. XO Nation, www.lauriejacobson.com and www.livinglegendsltd.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in the news as the XO continues right here from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Mm-hmm. 